Welcome to the Gallopod with me, Galloplacidia. I haven't been feeling well lately, uh, so I asked my husband, who also produces this podcast, if he would read an episode, and he very kindly agreed. So don't be alarmed if you suddenly hear a man's voice that is supposed to happen. Content warning, in this episode there is some drug use. I hope you enjoy Scaredy Cat. Chapter 5 This particular round of what Harry privately thought of as self-indulgent moping lasted about a month. He startled at unexpected sounds. At random intervals, his hands would shake so badly he would have to step away from his desk rather than risk dropping a cursed object. He was plagued with dreams he hesitated to call nightmares because they weren't horrific, only guilt-inducing. One recurring dream featured Colin Creevy. In the dream, Harry ran towards the Quidditch pitch. Colin ran after him, his camera covering his face, saying, Don't leave me! Don't leave! When Harry stopped, Colin lowered the camera and became as he had been at the Battle of Hogwarts, pale, incongruously peaceful, and he said it again. Don't leave me. Harry awoke from these dreams just hating himself. They didn't frighten him or make him panic, which was why he didn't term them nightmares. No, they were just dreams about people needing him and not receiving help. He would sit up, and the kitten would open his sleepy eyes and yawn, and Harry would scratch him behind the ears until he purred. Because the kitten was always there, that month. Harry was so overwhelmed that he didn't really think about it. He just took it for granted that every night Draco got stressed, transformed, and came to sleep in his bed. The kitten was a blessedly light sleeper. He woke up with Harry and went to sleep with Harry so easily, so unobtrusively. Perhaps Harry would have noticed quicker that something had changed if Draco's behaviour had altered when he was himself. But it hadn't. Draco was tentatively friendly, wary of making jokes. He continued to have friends over all the time and relax around them in ways he never would around Harry. And Harry was too busy not sinking to question what it was that stressed Draco so regularly. Draco was usually himself by morning. He tended to slip away without much fuss, but occasionally he stayed for a while, not quite touching Harry, and they watched each other. It was weird, of course, and at first Harry had worried about it, about whether he was making a fool of himself, but Draco didn't mention it, and neither did Harry, so it just became something they did. Things got better slowly. They always did, which was one of the reasons Harry felt so stupid for letting it get to him, when he knew these episodes were only temporary. He soon found he could sleep through the night without waking himself with dreams, and he got hungry at mealtimes again and stopped crying at unpredictable moments throughout the day. It was easier to be alive. Draco was awake before him that morning. Harry woke up and found that he was watching him. Harry closed his eyes, something soothing settling over his heart. It wasn't the war that was vivid, said Draco. Harry opened his eyes. That's just being young, said Draco. I... what? I miss it too, the vividness. But just because we were young during a war doesn't mean war was responsible for everything that was lovely about our youth. Oh, you fucker, said Harry. You understand everything when you're a fucking kitten. He was sort of more amused than annoyed, but... Draco's face went completely white, and he rolled out of bed in one swift motion. I'm sorry, he said, his voice tight and frightened. Hey, said Harry. I don't understand everything. It's a bit blurry. Some things linger. I'm sorry. Draco, said Harry, getting out of bed and going to where Draco stood, fully dressed in his clothes from the day before, head bowed. I should have told you, he said, looking so defeated. Has the curse changed? asked Harry, the question occurring to him for the first time. 
You've been turning so much more often. No, said Draco, but Harry didn't believe him. I can't help you break it if you don't tell me things. It hasn't changed. Then why are you... Draco finally met his eyes, and he looked a bit pissed off now. I know how to stress myself out, okay? What? I knew you didn't want my company, but it's pretty straightforward getting myself to transform. I've been fire-calling my father every evening, that's all. Harry stared at him. His feelings were at a bottleneck, too many of them at once. Gratitude and pity and guilt and love, of course. Say something, said Draco, his voice rising unhappily. But Harry couldn't. Instead, he reached out and took Draco's hand. Draco let him, let Harry run his index over the tip of each finger. Do you miss having claws? asked Harry. He hadn't meant to ask it, it had just come out. No, said Draco. His voice was strained. Harry touched each of Draco's fingers, sweeping his index up their long, narrow length, stopping at the last knuckle before moving on to the next. The pale hairs on Draco's arms stood up on end, and when Harry had done one hand, Draco gave him the other as obediently as if Harry had commanded it. It feels good. When you stroke me, said Draco. When you're a kitten. Draco shook his head. Whenever, he said. Harry caught his breath. Don't transform before you come to me any more, he said. Just come to me. He ran his index across Draco's knuckles, then let him go. Draco swallowed. If you want to, I mean, added Harry. You don't have to. Draco stood uncertainly for a moment, then said, One of our regulars submitted an article yesterday that I'm pretty sure is offensive to hags, so I've got to go deal with that. Someone's got to look out for the hags, said Harry. I'm just doing it so Hermione will fancy me. I assumed. Draco made a halted attempt to step towards Harry, said, Yeah, so... and left. Harry could hardly concentrate at work that day. His mind strayed to Draco's hitched breath, his pliant fingers, the way he had said, It feels good when you stroke me. Harry knew he could be a bit oblivious, but the moment had been intimate. A step towards something Harry hadn't realised how much he wanted until it was there in front of him. Draco, in his bedroom, caring for Harry, letting Harry care back. Harry knew that Draco could get anyone he wanted. It was something Harry maybe resented a bit when he was honest with himself, the degree to which everyone seemed willing to let old sins go. He thought Draco deserved to be forgiven, or at least for his change to be accepted, but it felt as if forgiveness had happened so easily, as if it was less of a choice than a surrender. It was too difficult to decide what people deserved after the war, so a decision had simply and quickly been made and stuck to. If the decision had gone the other way, if Draco had been unquestioningly reviled and ostracised, Harry would have disliked that too. And in fact, none of it was really about Draco. The point was that Draco was gorgeous, popular, rich and successful. Harry was spent. Draco was an ascendant power and Harry a waning one. He did not delude himself into thinking they were equals. They had never been equals. Immediately after the war, Draco had been nothing, and Harry had been the single most famous person in Britain. Now, photographers followed Draco on the street. Harry, meanwhile, was spoken about in the same bored and respectful tones as the Minister for Finance. He and Draco were both very lucky, Harry reminded himself. Harry was good at appreciating what he had, although his appreciation was more punitive than grateful. Look at what you have. Look at it. 
Look at it. How dare you? But despite the many, many reasons Harry knew Draco had not to want to be with him, he was heartbroken over Neville still, wasn't he? Harry also knew that Draco liked it when Harry stroked him. That he had let Harry touch his hands worshipfully. That he had deliberately stressed himself out so that he could comfort Harry every night. Harry left work early, feeling braver than he had in years. Draco was making cocktails in the kitchen. He turned around when Harry came in, a bright, false smile on his face. Harry, you're home early. Mojito? I wanted to talk to you, said Harry. Draco turned back to the counter and began cutting a lime. Me too. Wanted to be the first to tell you the good news, he said, and Harry had a presentiment that whatever the good news was, Harry was not going to like it. That Jesus died for our sins, he said, laying his briefcase on the kitchen table. Huh. No, said Draco. Neville and I got back together. Would you fetch the rum out of the liquor cabinet? Harry felt a complicated, looping sort of sensation in his insides, like falling off a broom. What? he said. His voice sounded oddly hollow. Are you serious? I never joke about rum, said Draco. Draco, look at me. Draco turned around, wiping his hands on his jeans. He did not meet Harry's eyes. This is a bad and stupid idea, said Harry, slowly, enunciating each word. Do not do this. He cheated on you. He was a dick about it. He called you a... Draco put up a hand and Harry stopped instantly. We weren't communicating well for a while and that was my fault as well as his, said Draco. But we've been working on it and... On your birthday! Draco's eyes flashed up to Harry's, angry and sharp. I remember, thanks, he said. And I hardly think I'm in a position to hold a grudge against Neville. Of all people, I am well versed in the importance of forgiveness. What, so because of the war you're fine with being in a bad relationship? Draco's cheeks were pink. Harry remembered this from school, the way Draco flushed when he felt spiteful and hunted. You don't know a thing about me and Neville, he said. Don't pretend you do. He didn't notice that he was hurting you during... The sex has been good lately, interrupted Draco. Lately, said Harry. When have you... He stopped when he saw Draco's expression. Oh, you never stop sleeping with him. Draco shook his head. He loves me, and I love him. That's so much more than I ever thought I would have. So don't you stand there, Harry, and tell me I can't have it. You said, and suddenly all at once Draco was near tears, you said we were friends. You said that, and I believed you because you're you, and I trusted you not to lie. So if that's not... He stopped and tipped his head to look at the ceiling. Blinking rapidly, the tears came anyway, and he wiped at them with his wrist. If you don't think I deserve to be loved, then then you lied, because that's not fucking friendship, he said, lowering his chin on the last word to look defiantly at Harry. What? Obviously I think you deserve to be... He stumbled over the word, and Draco laughed, wiping away fresh tears. <laughs> you can't even say it, he said. Right, yeah, and we all know I have a healthy attitude to love, but no, this is so clearly all about you, isn't it? said Harry. He instantly wished he could take it back, because Draco looked stricken. I'm sorry, said Draco. You're right. I don't understand you at all, but I really hoped you'd be happy for me. Neville loves me. You can love someone and not deserve them. 
Draco smiled. A quick, brave, anguished thing. Yes, he said. I know. Silence fell heavily between them. Well, said Harry. If you love him, that's good then, I guess. Harry was so stupid, and in a way it made sense. He and Neville had always been destined for similar things, to have lives that doubled each other. It made sense that they would both fall for the same person, and it was Neville's turn now to be chosen. Anyway, it's good news for you, said Draco. Because I'm moving out. Neville can keep me under house arrest instead. Harry couldn't tell if Draco was being glib or if he meant it. If living with Harry had been a prison sentence with Harry as jailer. When? he managed to ask. Tonight. Now. My bags are packed already. Is it because... The last of Harry's courage petered out, and he didn't say what he had intended. Is it because of this morning? Is it because of how I touched you? Is it because I'm in love with you? Because you're scared of me. What do you mean? asked Draco, beginning to put away the glasses he had got out for cocktails. Is that why you're leaving in such a hurry? I'm not in a hurry, said Draco. I'm just getting out of your hair. You weren't in my hair, said Harry. You should come over soon. Nev and I are planning on getting a television so we can watch this weird muggle show Dean told us about. Dr. What? About time travel? Very inaccurate, apparently, but Dean says it's fun. Anyway, I've never had a television. My father nearly had a heart attack when I told him. Will you come over? We don't have to. As Draco rambled, he walked up the stairs to his bedroom. Harry followed, watched as Draco picked up two neat leather suitcases. Will you be safe? asked Harry. With Neville? Draco frowned. Are you... What do you mean? Because if you're asking if Neville would ever hurt me, he wouldn't. He's an idiot, but he's not... No, I, I, I mean... That's good to know, but I meant... If the person who cursed you comes for you, can Neville keep you safe? Oh, said Draco. He straightened up, dropping one suitcase to push his hair out of his face. He looked surprised. Yes, I think so. Thank you. I know I've been useless, said Harry. Because he had. He had let Draco down. He was suddenly aware that he had barely tried at all to break the curse. Because he had known that once the curse was broken, Draco would move out. With his playful laugh, his serious grey eyes, his warm, kittenish shape in the night. And now Draco was moving out anyway and Harry hadn't helped him. Hadn't pulled through when Draco needed him. Draco put out a hand as if to touch Harry, then drew it back. Harry, no, he said. No, you've been... There was a silence during which Harry realised he was going to cry if Draco didn't leave soon. It's been a pleasure, finished Draco. Sincerely, a pleasure. Harry nodded. He didn't speak because his voice would have given him away. Well, goodbye for now, said Draco. Harry nodded again, and Draco looked so sad. Harry stuck out his hand. Draco looked at it for a second, then shook it. Thank you, said Draco. He hesitated as he picked up the suitcases. Harry watched him. He hadn't known what he was going to say to Draco when he came home from work. Certainly he hadn't planned on professing undying love, but he had imagined touching Draco again, gently, until Draco lent in to him, until Draco let him kiss him. Draco went to the stairs, then paused. He glanced at Harry, opened his mouth, 
closed it. What? said Harry. I am scared of you, said Draco. And he looked it. He looked as if he was doing something dangerous and couldn't believe he was going through with it. Terrified. But not because you're frightening. Harry squeezed his eyes shut and turned away. When he opened them, Draco was halfway down the stairs. Harry went to his bedroom and shut the door so he wouldn't hear Draco using the flu to leave. Chapter 6 I know, but there's no getting through to him, said Ron. If you'd heard the fight they had the day Draco first moved in, said Harry, he'd waited until the next day to speak to Ron and Hermione. The night Draco went back to Neville, Harry had just gone to bed. It was peculiar how different heartbreak felt to the usual ways he experienced misery. He was conscious, even as the loneliness tore at him, that it was a much friendlier sort of unhappiness. The war memories felt mechanical somehow, as if they weren't emotions designed to be felt by humans. This pain, if nothing else, was human, and Harry was grateful to Draco for that. They're not always that bad, said Hermione. They can be rather sweet. Yeah, but it's still shit Draco took him back, said Ron. Yes, it is, said Hermione. They were at their local pub, a muggle one where they were never disturbed. It would be one thing if Neville had actually felt guilty, but he kept blaming Draco, said Harry. We've both talked to Draco, said Hermione, but he's obstinate, and ultimately you can't force people to break up even if you wish they would. They're both a bit fucked up, to be honest, said Ron. I'm not sure either of them would do better elsewhere. So that's it, said Harry. We're all just doomed to be trapped in shitty relationships if we don't have the foresight to fall in love in fucking fourth year like you two. Ron and Hermione fell silent. Sorry, muttered Harry. Harry, mate, said Ron. Are you okay? Yeah, need another drink, said Harry, and went to the bar. Yes, it is rather a shame, said Blaze. They were having lunch together at a trendy restaurant that only sold extremely elaborate savoury tarts. And it's only because he doesn't think he deserves better, said Harry, angrily spiking his fork into his lavender, fennel and Earl Grey tart. Correct, yes, said Blaze, but he seemed distracted. And now he's living with Neville, and I didn't say anything because I didn't want to be a dick, but to be honest, I'm not at all sure Neville could handle it if the assailant came back and tried to finish Draco off. Ah, said Blaze, carefully laying down his cutlery and folding up his napkin. I'm glad you brought that up. There's something I've been meaning to have a friendly chat with you about. What? Blaze smiled nervously. Well, if I tell you, you have to promise not to put me in prison, he said. What did you do? I can't promise that. Then I can't tell you, said Blaze. Shall we get the bill? Blaze. The fact is, Harry, I'm not a prisony sort of person. You'd do very well in prison. I'm quite sure you'd find it most illuminating, but people like me are better suited to... Paris. What did you do? Nothing very bad, said Blaze. And you're fond of me. Just promise. Harry made an exasperated sound. (sighs) I promise. Tell me. Blaze bit his lip. Well, I may or may not have given a friend of ours a condition known in medical circles as... Oh, you didn't. Stress catism, finished Blaze. 
Harry took a second. Then, Blaze, what the fuck? I think once you hear my reasoning, someone threw him in the Thames. I threw him in the Thames, said Blaze. It wasn't funny anymore. Harry was cold with anger. Why? Well, I had to make it seem like a serious threat. Otherwise, there'd have been no cause for him to move in with you. Anyway, I was on hand to rescue him. I have such a sweet little cousin in Highgate, and she very obligingly gave me one of her hairs for my polyjuice. Generally, I'm not terribly fond of small children, but... Explain yourself. Blaze looked rather abashed. Yes, all right, he said, and his voice lost most of its theatricality, becoming clipped and businesslike. We all know you're not keen on Draco. Jesus, said Harry. What a fucking mess. And we all know how Draco feels about you, and... What the hell are you even talking about? Oh, clearly we were mistaken, but Pansy and Knott and I thought he was quite enamoured. Neville thought so too, you know. Anyway, after the debacle of his birthday, he was, well, in a pretty bad way, and I thought, stop looking at me like that, Harry, it's very distracting. I know you want to hex me. Restrain yourself. You're making it very difficult said Harry. I thought if you were somehow forced to spend time with him, you'd come around, and that he might not go back to Neville. So there you have it, my grand plan. You do realise, said Harry, through gritted teeth, that Draco is morbidly afraid of someone killing him because of what he did in the war, Blaze sighed. It wasn't my finest complot, I'll admit, he said, "'All seriousness, Harry, I was worried about him. "'I see now that all my scheming has come to nothing, "'but it was worth it if there was even the smallest chance it would—' "'He twisted his mouth. "'Change the path he was on, but it didn't. "'So, are you going to put me in prison?' "'Harry thought before answering. "'I said I wouldn't,' he said, finally. "'But you have to tell Draco.' "'Ah, is there a way that—' might be avoided. You see... No, said Harry. You tell him, or I will. He needs to know that no one was trying to hurt him. Jesus, Slytherins are fucked in the head. Blaze motioned to the waiter for the bill. That's a matter of perspective, he said. The waiter approached with the bill. Ah, thank you so much. My tart was scrumptious, but then aren't they always? You have to come, said Dean. Seamus picked up a cursed wallet and yelped as it set his hand on fire. Harry put out the flames with his wand. I told you not to touch anything, he said, rustling in his desk drawer for burn salve. Sweet and merciful Jesus, that's fucking hurt, said Seamus. Do you have any sex curses in here, Harry? What you don't get is that Doctor Who travels through time, said Dean, as if nothing had happened. Yeah, no, I picked up on that, actually, said Harry, rubbing the salve on Seamus's burn. Seamus, don't touch anything with mercury in it until the spring equinox or you'll die. Wicked, said Seamus. What's this? Don't touch anything, cried Harry. But it was too late, and Seamus sprouted wings out of his head. He has a companion, said Dean, looking supremely unconcerned about Seamus's head wings. And the companion goes with him on his adventures. I understand the premise of Doctor Who, Dean, said Harry, who was trying to pull Seamus down from the ceiling by his ankle. I don't like it, Harry said Seamus. Make it stop! Can you two seriously stop visiting me at work? asked Harry, transfiguring his tie into a leash and collar.
Here, put this on. Seamus took it with interest. Is this part of your BDSM thing? What BDSM thing? said Harry. See, I don't think you can have understood the premise, because if you did, you'd be coming to Draco and Neville's viewing party, said Dean. Blaze says you've got a sex dungeon, said Seamus, putting on the collar, and that you made Draco crawl around the floor wearing a latex bodysuit. Harry groaned. Did you really? asked Dean. And Draco did it. He looked pensive. I see that. Draco's got a subby vibe. Harry handed Seamus's leash to Dean. Both of you get out. I'll see you on Saturday for Doctor Who, he said. Dean cheered, and Seamus gave a hawkish screech. Uh, Harry, Seamus is developing a beak, said Dean. Yes, that'll happen when you touch the bird's prey keychain like a twat, said Harry. Take him to St Mungo's. Anyone want some coke? asked Pansy, and Theo Knott swatted her face with his huge hand. Read the room, Pans, not that kind of night, he said. Pansy shrugged and poured some out onto one of Neville's coffee table books about South American plant life. Oh, Pansy, not that one. It's really expensive, said Neville. Harry hadn't seen Draco yet. Ron sat on Hermione's lap and she needed the loo and kept giggling and saying, Stop! Stop! I'll wee on you! To which Ron responded by waggling his eyebrows suggestively. Goyle was telling anyone who would listen that the secret to his guacamole was Tabasco sauce. Seamus looked very gloomy about his beak and the thick white feathers on his head, although Harry personally thought he'd got off easy. The wings, at least, were gone. Ginny and Luna cuddled together in a tiny armchair that was certainly not big enough for two people. Where's Draco? Harry asked Dean. The doctor is 900 years old, said Dean. Can you believe that? Harry tried Marcus Flint, who was an eminently sensible person when he wasn't trying to crush you at Quidditch. Talking to Blaze, I think, he said. Okay, okay, said Neville to the room at large. Everybody listen up. Let's go clubbing, said Pansy, her eyes glassy and dilated. Theo Knott swatted her face again. All right. Dean Thomas is going to give us a recap of Doctor Who so far, and then it'll be time for the show, said Neville. People who haven't seen televisions before, it's bloody weird, but we're all in it together. Everyone cheered, and Dean began to monologue about Doctor's past and present. Harry slipped out of the room and found Draco and Blaze laughing on the stairs. Blaze, said Harry, and he must have sounded rather threatening, because they both stood and Draco brushed quickly past Harry, saying, I'm glad you came in an undertone as he left. Hello, Harry, drawled Blaze. Did you come to the aid of many haplessly cursed muggles this week? You said you'd tell him, said Harry. Blaze looked surprised. But I did. You... but... Blaze cocked his head. Harry, I wouldn't have done it if I thought he'd mind. He forgave you. Our Draco's quite big on forgiveness these days, said Blaze. But even so, I told you, deceit is not the way to wound Draco. Neglect, cruelty, simply not caring, those are all most effective. But lying? No, no, no. That old Dumbledore-shaped anger rose up in Harry's chest. I've been cared about by people like you, he said. I fucking remember what it's like. Blaze frowned. Harry had the sense that he'd hurt his feelings, but he couldn't bring himself to care. Harry! came Ginny's voice from the sitting room. Get back in here, you're missing the beginning! 
He didn't think anyone had noticed him leaving. Blaze hooked his arm through Harry's and said, Forgive me, won't you? It's not on me to forgive you, said Harry. No, but do all the same, said Blaze, and went to sit between Pansy and Theo. Blaze sandwich, said Pansy, and she and Theo both leant in to kiss his cheeks. Can we go clubbing yet? Calm down, Cokey, said Theo. Blaze rested his head on Theo's shoulder and closed his eyes, and Harry knew he would forgive him, because it was simply easier. There was a spot free next to Draco, but Harry sat on the floor by Ginny and Luna instead. They both began to braid his hair. And it was nice, really, having so many friends who knew and liked each other. Harry had a good job and good friends, and sometimes that was the most frightening thing of all, that there was no reason for the bleakness. When the adverts came on, Harry slipped into the kitchen to make a cup of tea. They had a lovely kitchen, Neville and Draco. Neville loved to cook and Draco loved to host, and consequently the counters were lined with glass jars of pasta and rice and sugar, and the window bloomed with pots of basil and mint and rosemary. It was clean and well lit, the bright home of two people in love. Harry filled the copper kettle and put it on the hob, trying not to notice how shiny the copper was, how neat the hob. You came, said a voice. Draco. Harry's head snapped up. Draco came into the room for once and closed the door behind him, although he did then slouch against the larder door in his typical fashion. Couldn't miss Doctor Who, said Harry. Dean threatened to find the script online and read it to me if I didn't come. He's dedicated, said Draco. His gaze was too intense. Harry could feel it all over his body, even though Draco only looked at his face. How have you been? Good, yeah, said Harry. And you? Draco gave him an exasperated look. No, he said. I was actually asking. Come on. Harry rubbed the back of his neck. I'm better, yeah. You caught me at a weird moment when you were staying at mine. I was in a bit of a mopey phase. Draco hoisted himself up to sit on the counter, then tilted his head. And what does a mopey phase look like for Harry Potter? Harry didn't know what to do with his hands. He rested them on the counter in front of him, not looking at Draco more than he had to. You know, the usual. Draco shook his head slowly. I don't know. Tell me. Harry could feel the heat creeping into his face. Just weird dreams, shit like that. Being a bit weepy for no reason, but it's all right now. Draco gave a quiet laugh. All resolved, is it? Harry cleared his throat. How have you been? Fucking Blaze! Draco laughed, louder this time. Blaze, I know. <laughs> when I think of how much time I spent kittening around. He lifted it, by the way. But you two are good now, just like that. Draco didn't answer for a moment. He kicked his feet against the cabinets. Harry, he said, in a tone that Harry hadn't expected him ever to use again. Harry, are you aware that you have a lot of friends? Harry was silent. And that they'd all be there for you in a heartbeat if you wanted, said Draco. Harry felt a tightness in his throat. They're busy, he mumbled. I'm not busy, said Draco, and Harry laughed. <laughs> You're the busiest. You have a full-time job and eight million friends and a boyfriend. But it's a matter of prioritization, and I'd always prioritize you. Harry looked up then. 
Draco was so painfully handsome, so gorgeous and so inexplicably unavailable. You'd prioritise me, repeated Harry. Always, said Draco. They stared at each other for a long, heady beat. Then Harry broke his eyes away. That's stupid. We're not even close friends. Oh, said Draco. Well, in that case, fuck you. I hope you die under a bridge. Harry laughed. I wasn't saying... Just... You only started talking to me recently. But don't you think... Said Draco. I don't know. Don't you think... Harry wasn't sure what gave him the courage, but he went to stand in front of Draco, who widened his knees so that Harry could come between them. They were barely touching, but they were close enough to kiss. Yeah, said Harry. Yeah, that with everything you and I have been through, it's... We almost understand each other already, said Draco, still watching him intently, as if he were trying to guess what Harry would say before he said it. Yeah, said Harry. What if I wanted to be close friends with you? said Draco. What if I wanted you to tell me the next time you felt mopey? Harry leant his head forward into Draco's chest, and Draco put his hand to Harry's hair, touched the braids Ginny and Luna had left. How are things with Neville? asked Harry. Draco's fingers didn't falter in his hair. Good. We're talking a lot more. Harry stepped away. That's great, he said. Draco paused. Yeah, he said. He stayed in the kitchen after Harry left. That was part three of Scaredy Cat, written by Gala Desidia and read by my extremely kind and accommodating husband. Tune in next week for part four. Don't forget you can join my newsletter if you fancy at newsletter.gallopod.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review on the Apple Podcast app, or maybe tell a friend who you think might like the show. I also have an Instagram at Let Them Eat Books, where I post reviews of the books I read, so please say hello on there. And thank you for listening.